trying to explain the how of it or making examples or comparisons or similarities between the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the characteristics of any of his creatures and he also said that al-nuzul has been reinterpreted by the ahlu al-ta'atil or those who make ta'atil emptying the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of their meaning they said that nuzul it means the descending of Allah's command or the descending of his rahmah, his mercy or the descending of one of his angels uh, the next characteristic that he mentioned from the hadith is the, is the characteristic of al-ajab al-ajab amazement or wonder and Imam Ibn Qudama mentioned uh, concerning this particular sifa, a hadith which we mentioned that the strongest opinion concerning this hadith is that it is weak yeah, and it is not an authentic hadith in any case he mentioned that it has a proof uh, and there are other proofs which we mentioned which yeah, I mean, uh, are authentic so that there is no need to use that hadith which has not been authenticated as a proof in any case in the text of the book he mentioned the hadith يَعْجَبْ رَبُّكَ مِنَ الشَّابِ لَيْسَتْ لَهُ سَبْوَى that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is amazed at the young person who is not inclined towards his passions or his pleasures or his own desires Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is amazed at this and the shaykh says that this characteristic of al-ajab al-ajab amazement or wonder it is confirmed not only in authentic hadith other than this hadith there is authentic hadith but also it is confirmed in the Quran and it is confirmed by the consensus of the early generations of the Muslims and the proof from the Quran is from Surah Al-Safat chapter 37 verse 12 بَلْ عَجِبُ أَوْ بَلْ عَجِبْتُ وَيَسْخَرُونَ that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says nay I am amazed while they are making mockery making mockery of the truth that was being offered to them the Quran that was revealed to them and the truths that it contained concerning the resurrection and judgment and so on uh, this ayah of the Quran has been read by the majority of the scholars of Kiraat or reading of the Quran Bal Ajibta, meaning that the one who the characteristic of Al-Ajib is referred to is the Prophet but it has also been read by some of the scholars of Al-Qira'ah including Hamza and Kisa'i who are great scholars of Qira'ah as Bal Ajibtu referring that characteristic to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of Al-Ajib and that reading Bal Ajibtu that it is attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the reading of amongst the Sahaba Ali ibn Abi Talib Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu majma'in also besides this from the Quran the proofs from Sunnah are many and from amongst them is the hadith reported in Al-Bukhari that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is amazed or he laughs at the two people uh, about whom he revealed from the Quran وَيُؤْثِرُونَ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ وَلَوْ كَانَ بِهِمْ خَصَاثًا that they gave preference to others over themselves while they were really themselves in need and that was the case in which the Prophet ﷺ had someone come to him uh, seeking يعني, to be uh, taken care of and the Prophet ﷺ didn't have any uh, food in any of the homes of his wives so he asked anyone could anyone take that man to his home and feed him and that man took him home who also didn't have anything except the food that was to be given to his children so he told his wife to put the children to sleep 
and turn out the light while they sat with the man not eating, pretending to eat and only their guests ate. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that they gave preference to others over themselves while they were in fact really in need. And this characteristic of al-ajr that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was amazed at them, it is uh, proven by this hadith as well as the hadith of the Prophet which is also reported by al-Bukhari, the hadith of Abu Hurairah in which it is reported that the Prophet said, عَجِبَ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ مِنْ قَوْمٍ يَدْخُلُونَ الْجَنَّةِ فِي السَّلَاثِرِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is amazed that people were into paradise and chains and those who fought against the Muslims and were taken captive and in their captivity accepted Islam and therefore they entered paradise due to their captivity. Also in this hadith, the characteristic of al-ajab is a form for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here the Shaykh says that we should, as, as it has been confirmed in the Qur'an and the Sunnah and by the consensus or ijma of the scholars of the early generation of Muslims, we should also confirm it for Allah without making tahrif, distorting its meaning, or ta'atil, negating its meaning, or takif, trying to explain the how of it, or tamthil, giving examples for it, comparing it to the creatures. The Shaykh says that this characteristic of Al-Ajab, it has been explained by the people of negation, the people of Ta'atil who negated the meanings of the Sifat of Allah. They said it means Al-Mujazat, that it means that Allah rewards them. And we reject this as we rejected their previous distorted interpretations with the usual refutation of them explaining that what they have said is contrary to the literal apparent meaning of the text and as well their manner of interpreting is contrary to the methodology of the early generations of the Muslims, Sahaba and Tabi'een and those who followed in their way and as well there is no authentic proof for them to explain it in that way. Then the Shaykh said that Al-Ajab is of two types, one that cannot be attributed to Allah and that is the one who is amazed at something due to not understanding how that thing happens. And the other is the ajab or amazement at something that is outside of the ordinary or something that shouldn't have happened while knowing the cause or the reason why it happened like that. And this can be attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because even though something happened which is strange or out of the ordinary or unusual and it is an amazing thing. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows why the cause or the reason for it. As for the first type of amazement, when a person is amazed at something where they can't understand how it happened, this means that they have lack of knowledge of the cause and that cannot be attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The amazement or the ajab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with knowledge, knowing the cause or the reason for that thing happening. Hmm. Uh, then we mention the characteristic number 12, dahik laughing. And it is the Shaykh or the Imam Ibn Khudam rahimahullah mentions the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala laughs at two men, one of them killed the other, while both of them entered paradise. And the completion of the hadith is the explanation of why, and it is that one of them fought against the Muslims. The Muslims fought in jihad, and one of the Muslims was killed in jihad, and therefore he entered paradise as a shaheed or a martyr while the other person who killed him Allah accepted the repentance of that person, turned to him and allowed him out of his mercy to enter Islam and then he fought for the sake of Allah and was also killed in jihad 
as a shaheed or a martyr, so he likewise enters paradise. So the characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of a dahiq, laughing, it is confirmed both in the sunnah as well as by, as well as by the consensus or ijma' of the early generation of the Muslims as confirmed in this hadith reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim on the authority of Abu Hurairah. The Shaykh says, since the scholars are in agreement concerning it and the clear proof from authentic hadith confirms it, then we also must confirm it without tahrif, without distorting its meaning or reinterpreting it with some distorted meaning or ta'atil, emptying it or negating its meaning, taqlif, trying to explain the how of it. Because only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the how of his characteristics. We know the meaning of them, but the how exactly the true nature of it is known only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And without making tamthil, yani making examples in an attempt to explain the sifat or the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani laughing, it is a real characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be confirmed for him in a way that is suitable to his majesty, his glory, and his greatness. The scholars or the, or the innovators of Ta'atil explained dahiq to mean a thawab. They said, when it is mentioned in the sunnah that Allah laughs, it means that Allah rewards those whom he laughs at, that he is pleased with them and therefore he rewards them. And we refute this by saying that this is contrary to the literal apparent meaning of the text of the hadith. While knowing that the Prophet ﷺ spoke clear, classical, pure Arabic, and the words that he used was well known to the Arabs, and there is no need to give it a new interpretation, its meaning is very clear, their explanation is contrary to the apparent meaning, and as well, it is contrary to the way of understanding of the Sahaba who used to understand the meaning of the ayat and hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, particularly concerning the sifat of Allah on their apparent meaning, face value, yani as they appear to be without reinterpreting them. So we reject such understanding. Then the, uh, the Imam mentions point number 14. فَهَذَا وَمَا أَشْبَهُهُ مِمَّا صَحَى سَنَدُهُ وَعَدِّلَتْ قَوَاتُهُ That these things and what is similar to it, yani narrations from the ayat of Qur'an from the previous section and the hadith of the Prophet from this section and those reports which are similar to them from the hadith where the chain of narrators is sahih and the reporters are acceptable, reliable reporters نُؤْمِنُ بِهِ وَلَا نَرُدُّهُ We believe in it and we don't outright reject it وَلَا نَجْهَدُهُ نُوْ دُوِي يعني دِنَايَتْ وَلَا نَتَأَوَّلُهُ بِتَأْوِيلِ يُخَالِفُ ظَاهِرَهُ نُوْ دُوِي We explain it with some ta'wil or re-explanation that is contrary to the apparent meaning وَلَا نُشَبِّهُهُ بِصِفَاتِ المخلوقين not we make comparison between the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sifat of the creatures ولا بسمات المحدثين nor with the interpreted meanings or characteristics of the innovators as they re-explain the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we don't accept such نعلم أن الله سبحانه وتعالى لا شبيه له we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no nothing similar to him ولا نظير no equal to him as he says in the Quran, Surah Tushur, verse 11, Laysa kamithri shayun, uhusameen basiyya, that nothing is like him, he is the hearing, the seeing. وَكُلُّ مَا تَخَيَّلَ فِي الذِّهْن أَوْ خَطَرَ بِالْبَالِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَ بِخِلَافِهِ And whatever you imagine, or whatever thought comes to your mind concerning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, know that the idea that you have in your mind or in your imagination, Allah is different than that. 
then the point we reached, point number 15, that was the point that we had arrived at, which we didn't cover. It is the sifa al-thalitha ashara, the 13th characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, al-istiwa ala al-arsh, Allah's ascending above the throne. And here Imam Ibn Qadama mentioned as a proof of this, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ar-Rahman ala al-arsh istawa, that ar-Rahman, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ascended above the throne. And this mentioned in Surah Taha, chapter 20, verse 5. And some of the scholars said that al-istawa has many meanings. In the shaykh, I think, at some point in the explanation mentions that amongst those meanings is al-istiqrar, or being firmly established, al-ulu, lofty, or highness, al-as'ud, to rise, to rise above, and al-irtifa'ah, uh, to raise up also, similar to al-su'ud. In any case, the Shaykh Muhammad bin Salih al says that the istiwa of Allah ala al-arsh is one of his established characteristics confirmed in the Qur'an as well as in the sunnah and the ijma of the salaf, the consensus of the first generations of the Muslims. The deviants explained al-istiwa to mean al-istilah, Al-istila, meaning to conquer. When Allah ascended above the throne, they said it means that He conquered the universe. In any case, Sheikh Muhammad, Hafizullah, he says that this characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is confirmed in the Quran, the Sunnah, the Ijma'ah, and it is confirmed, it is mentioned specifically in seven places in the Quran. From amongst them, the verse mentioned by Ibn Qudam, Rahimahullah in Surah Al-Taha and other verses where it is mentioned is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-A'raf chapter 7 verse 54 and in chapter 10 verse 3 Surah Yunus the same uh, verse came إِنَّ رَبَّكُمُ اللَّهِ الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ فِي سِتَّةِ أَيَامٍ ثُمَّ اسْتَوَى عَلَى الْأَرْشِ That verily your Lord Allah He is the one who created the heavens and earth in six days and then He ascended above Al-Arsh the throne uh, the third place where it is mentioned is in, in Surah Al-Ra'ad, chapter 13, verse 2, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah, الذي رفع السماوات بغير عمد ترونها That Allah is the one who raised up the heavens without any pillows that you see, ثم استوى على العرش, then he ascended above the throne. The fourth place is Surah Al-Ta'a, which Al-Imam Ibn Qadana mentioned, chapter 20, verse 5. The fifth place, is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Furqan, chapter 2559, the saying of Allah, وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا That the one who created the heavens and the earth, and what is between them in six days, then he ascended above the throne. In a similar saying, Allah الذي خلق السماوات والأرض وما بينهما في ستة أيام كل استوعال العرش in Surah Al-Sajda chapter 32 verse 4 in the last place is in Surah Al-Hadid chapter 57 verse 4 هو الذي خلق السماوات والأرض في ستة أيام ثم استوعال العرش that he is the one who created the heavens and earth in six days and then he ascended above the throne so as you can see Al-Istawa ala al-Arsh or the ascension of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala above the throne is confirmed in so many ayahs of the Qur'an in clear language about which there is no doubt and any need for interpretation. Uh, Shaykh Muhammad in Salih Uthaymin in his explanation concerning this point 
after mentioning that this al-istawa, this sifa is confirmed in Quran in seven different places, he also mentions the saying of the Prophet which is reported in al-Bukhari, إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَتَبَ كِتَابًا قَبْلَ أَنْ يَخْلُقَ الْخَلْقِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote a book or a writing before he created the creation. And in that writing, it is recorded, إِنَّ رَحْمَتِي صَدَقَتْ غَضَبِي That verily my mercy precedes my anger or overcomes it. فَهُوَ مَكْتُوبٌ عِنْدَهُ فَوْقَ الْعَرْشِ And that writing is maktub, written with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَوْقَ الْعَرْشِ Above the throne. And this is also a confirmation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being above his throne. And the Shaykh mentions a hadith which the narration of it comes later and point number 18. Perhaps we'll come back to it. Uh, well, let's take it now in case so that I won't forget. It is uh, the saying of the Prophet reported in the Sunnah of Abu Dawood. And it has also been reported in the Sunan of Al-Tirmidhi and the Sunan of Ibn Majah. And other, and many, many other books of Hadith and books of Aqidah. Many of the scholars, uh, including in the Mustadrak of Hakim, the uh, Ibn Abi Shayba in his Sunnah, the book of Aqidah, the book of Aqidah of Ibn Quzayma Al-Tawheed, Al-Ajari in his book Al-Shariya, uh, Ibn Abi Shayba in his book Al-Arsh, the throne, and Bayhaqi in his book Al-Asma wa Sifat, and so many of the scholars mention this hadith, it is the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, إِنَّ بُعْدَ مَا بَيْنَ السَّمَاءٍ إِلَى سَمَاءٍ إِمَّا وَاحِدَةٍ أو إثنتان أو ثلاثة وسبعين سنة يعني that the distance between one heaven and another is either one or two or three, يعني seventy one or seventy two or seventy three Years, and the distance of traveling, 71 or 72 or 73 years, is the distance between one heaven and another. And it is a long hadith, and he only mentions part of it here, and he says, until he said, Ila an qala fil arsh, until he said concerning the arsh, Baina asfala, Baina asfaluhu wa alahu mithlama baina sama'in ila sama'in, thamma Allah ta'ala fawqa dhalik. And likewise, between the lower part of Allah's arsh and the upper part of it is the distance, like the distance between two of the heavens and the distance that a person will travel in 71 or 72 or 73 years. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ta'ala ذلك, and Allah is above that, and above the arsh. Uh, here, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen says that this hadith is reported by Al-Tirmidhi ibn Ma- and Ibn Majah, and it has a defect which Al-Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah answered or refuted or clarified or explained in his book Tahdeeb Sunan Abi Dawood and in his book which is sort of a summary of the Sunan of Abu Dawood uh, and he says that that is in the 7th volume page 72 and 73 and then he says وَأَجْمَعَ السَّلَفِ عَلَىٰ إِثْبَاتِ الْإِسْتِوَاءِ اللَّهِ عَلَىٰ عَرْشِهِ uh, and also the scholars of the early generation of Muslims have reached consensus concerning the confirmation of Al-Istiwa, the, the ascension of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala above his throne. Therefore it is obligatory on us to affirm it without making tahrif or ta'atil or taqif or tamthil, distorting its meaning, negating its meaning, explaining the how of it or making examples. And it is an istiwa haqiqi, real ascension of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala above the throne. And its meaning, he said, from the meanings of Al-Istiwa is Al-Ulu. Highness or loftiness, al-istikrar, 
being firm or established above something uh, in a way that is appropriate or suitable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other places, some of the scholars say it also means a surud or going up or an irtifa' يعني to be raised up. All of these are meanings of al-istiwa. Uh, but no one has said from most the scholars of Arabic language, nor the scholars from the Ahl Sunnah Jumaa, that al-istiwa means al-istila, yani conquering. And the meaning, the meanings that the scholars gave, the, the various meanings that they agreed upon, all of those meanings are similar. They mean to be high, or to be lofty, sublime, to be raised up, or to rise up. Uh, all of them are similar in meaning. In any case, uh, then the Sheikh says that uh, this istiwa, which is confirmed in the Quran in seven different places, yeah, and clearly the word istiwa is used, and in many other ayats in the Quran, other uh, words are used to prove Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being above the throne. The Sheikh says that the scholars of Sa'atil, or those who make negation, the Mu'attila, explain al istiwa to mean al istila. Yani to conquer something. And we refute them with Al-Qaeda Rabia, the fourth principle in the introduction of the book, meaning that their explanation of such is contrary to the literal meaning of the text, and it is contrary to the methodology of the scholars of the early generation of Muslims, and there is no proof for them to give such a meaning to it, even in the Arabic language. And he said, in addition to that, we refute them with the fifth yani refutation, and it is that they are claiming that istiwa means istila. It is, it requires for us to affirm. If we affirm that, then we have to affirm something else for Allah, which is clearly false. And that is that if we affirm that istila, istiwa means istila, then we will say, then we will have to confirm for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if He conquered the throne, that means before He conquered it, He didn't own it. And that's clearly false. So this is the fifth refutation of their claim that al-istiwa means conquering. It means that according to their belief then that Allah didn't own or possess the throne, then He conquered it, which is clearly false. No one will accept it who يعني, has the least amount of iman in the text of Quran and Sunnah. Uh, also, the Sheikh says linguistically al-arsh. It means as sarir al-khasa bil-malik. That it is the place of sitting that is specially for the king. And in the legal terminology, it is al-arsh al-azim. It is the great arsh. Al-ladhi istiwa alayhi ar-rahman jalla jalaluhu. That ar-rahman Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ascended above. And it is the highest of Allah's creations. And it is the biggest or greatest of Allah's creations. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described it with various descriptions amongst them. Azim, Arsh Azim. And this is mentioned in Surah Tawbah, chapter 9, verse 129. As well, Allah has described it with the characteristic of Kareem, the noble Arsh, in chapter 23, verse 116. And He has described it with the characteristic of Majid, Arsh Majid, the noble Arsh in Surah Al-Buruj, chapter 85, verse 15. Uh, then the Shaykh says that Al-Qursi And we should also make note of the fact that Al-Qursi that's mentioned in the Quran, it is a creation other than Al-Arsh, different from the Arsh. 
because the arsh is that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ascended above while the kursi is the place of the two feet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as mentioned in the statement of Abdullah ibn Abbas which has been authentically reported from him he said al-kursi mawdi' al-qadameen that the kursi is the place of the two feet wal-arsh la yuqaddiru ahadun qadraha and the arsh is that which no one knows yani its greatness this has been reported by al-hakim in his book al-mustadraq and he said that it is sahih according to the conditions of al-shaykhin al-bukhari and muslim though neither of them reported it and it has been confirmed to be also sahih by shaykh al-bani that this is a true statement that is mawquf attributed to abdul ibn abbas not attributed to the prophet but it is authentically attributed to abdul ibn abbas and it is clear that he couldn't have made this up from his intellect or by ijtihad he could have only known such by uh, any, from the source of revelation that is from the Quran and from the explanations of the Prophet ﷺ. It has also been reported in authentic hadith concerning the proof of the difference between Al-Arsh and Al-Qursi it has been authentically attributed to the Prophet ﷺ. in the hadith of Abu Dhar anhu, in which the Prophet ﷺ said uh, that the seven heavens and the seven earths that the seven heavens and the seven earths in comparison to the kursi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like an iron wing that is thrown out in the desert that's how great is the kursi وَأَنَّ فَضْلَ الْأَرْشِ عَلَى الْكُرْسِ كَفَضْلِ الْفَلَاتِ عَلَى هَذِهِ الْحَلَقَةِ And that the superiority of the arsh over the kursi is like the superiority of that desert to that rain that is thrown in it. Just as the desert is so great in comparison to a metal ring thrown in the desert, so also that's how superior the arsh is to the kursi. And even though the kursi is greater than the heavens and the earth, the seven heavens and the seven earth but the arsh is even greater than the kursi like similar to the greatness of a desert to a metal ring thrown in it and this has been uh, reported authentically as a statement of the Prophet by Ibn Abi Shayba in his book Kitab al-Arsh and Shaykh al-Bani said that this is an authentic statement of the Prophet uh, I should mention here concerning the hadith, the previous hadith, the hadith that is reported in Abu Dawud and Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah, uh, the hadith in which it is mentioned that the distance between one heaven and another is the distance that a person will travel in 71, 72, or 73 years. And the end of that hadith he said that the distance between the lower part of the arsh and the upper part of it is similar to the distance between two of the heavens and Allah is above that. That this hadith raises difference of opinion concerning it. Though many of the scholars of hadith and the scholars of Ahl Sunnah Jama'ah who wrote books of Aqeedah mentioned this hadith in their book and from amongst those who considered it to be Hassan was Al-Imam al and as well Al-Hakim in his book Al-Mustadrak 
And as well, Ibn Qayyim, in his book, Tahdeeb al-Sunan, he also defended this hadith as being authentic, and he wrote about two full pages defending that hadith. Uh, however, some of the scholars consider that hadith to be da'if. Uh, and I was actually surprised myself after having read the defense of Ibn Qayyim some years ago for this hadith, I also was surprised to find that scholars considered it to be da'if. And some of those who considered it to be da'if is Ibn Adi, Ibn al-Arabi, uh, of the earlier scholars, and of the contemporary scholars, Sheikh Abdul Qadir al Maut and uh, Sheikh Muhammad Nasibin al-Albani, rahimahullah. And after examining the discussions of the scholars concerning this hadith, it appears as though the, the most correct opinion in Allah knows best is that in fact this hadith should be considered da'if. And again, as we mentioned last week, uh, concerning hadith and the use of hadith, we said that many of the scholars used to report hadith in their books, and they used to report them with the chains of narrators. And it is a rule amongst the scholars of hadith, of hadithin, that as long as a scholar mentions the isnad or chain of narrators of hadith when they report it, then they are free of blame for narrating it. Because that isnad is the means or the way of being able to determine if it's authentic or not. Though it would have been better had they been able but as Shaykh al-Bani mentioned in defense of the earlier scholars that they were busy in collecting the sunnah and the later scholars were busy in separating those which were more authentic from those which were less so this is an excuse for them uh, in any case it appears as though the most correct opinion concerning this hadith is that it is not authentic but it doesn't matter because there are many other hadith which are authentic which prove Allah's ascension above his throne and even beyond that and before that there are many verses in the Qur'an which prove that Allah ascended above the throne. Uh, and from amongst the proofs that Allah ascended above the throne, that Allah is high above the throne, is the hadith that we mentioned from Al-Bukhari that Allah when He created creation, or before He created creation, He wrote that His mercy precedes His anger, and this is written, And it is written with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala above His arsh. In addition to the ayat from Qur'an. The next point of Al-Imam Ibn Qudama, uh, also dealing with the sifa of Al-Ulu, or the highness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah is above the creation, is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Mulk, chapter 67, verse 16, Do you feel secure or safe from the one who is above the heavens? Then he mentions the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the hadith in which he said, "قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ربنا الله الذي في السماء تقدس اسمه." يعني here in this hadith it is reported uh, in this hadith I don't know if the Sheikh mentioned the place for it anyway. In any case, in this hadith it is reported. That the Prophet said that our Lord is Allah who is above the heavens. Holy is your name. This hadith now is reported in the Sunnah of Abu Dawood and it was declared to be weak by Shaykh al Bani in his book, The Da'if of Sunnah Abu Dawood, page 385, hadith number 3892. Uh, again, keep in mind that though this particular hadith may not be authentic, and of course when we say it's not authentic we mean that it has some defect which causes us to doubt its authenticity rather than to use it as a proof 
we rely upon those about which there is no doubt and we leave aside those which are questionable because they have some defect in them though the meaning may be authentic but because there is some defect in the Islam we don't accept it also Al-Imam Ibn Qudam mentions another proof which is an authentic hadith uh, reported by Al-Imam Muslim and Al-Imam Malik in his Mawatta and other of the scholars of hadith also reported and it is an authentic proof which we can rely upon the statement of the Prophet ﷺ to the slave girl Ayn uh, Allah He asked her Where is Allah? Qalat Fissama She said that He is above the heavens Qala Man ana? Qalat Anta Rasulullah He said Who am I? She said You are the messenger of Allah Then the Prophet ﷺ said A'atiqha Fa'innaha mu'mina He said Free her For verily She is a believer Free her, for verily she is a believer. And this hadith is a clear proof also uh, of Allah being above the heavens, and Allah is above the creation. The Prophet asked her a clear, simple question, Ain Allah, and she said, Fissama, that he is above the heavens. And then the Prophet confirmed the truthfulness and the correctness of her answer by saying, Free her, fa'innaha mu'mina, she is a believer. He affirmed for her Iman due to her statement, her correct explanation of the Aqidah uh, that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above the heavens. Um, then Imam Ibn Qudama mentions another hadith. It is that which has been attributed to the Prophet that he said to Hussein, Kam ilahan ta'abud, how many gods do you worship? Qala sab'a. He said, seven. Sittatan fil ard, six of them in the earth, wa wahidan fil sama, and one in the heavens, or above the heavens. Qala man li ragbatik wa rahbatik, which is the one that you have most hope in and fear of? Qala alladhi fil sama, that he said, the one that is above the heavens. Qala fatruq as sittata wa abud alladhi fil sama. The Prophet said to him, leave that, those six, yani which are on the earth, and worship the one who is above the heavens وَأَنَا أُعَلِّمُكَ دَعَوَتَيْنِ and I will teach you two supplications فَأَسْلَمَ وَعَلَّمَهُ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمَ أَنْ يَقُولُ then he entered Islam and the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم told him to say in a dua part of it of which is اللهم ألهمني رشدي oh Allah give me guidance my guidance وَقِنِي شَرَّ نَفْسِي and protect me from the evil of myself also this hadith, it is in fact declared to be unauthentic, it is not sahih, but in any case as we said there are many other proofs which show that Allah subhanahu wa is above the heavens. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he also mentioned uh, and Imam Ibn Qadamah mentions in point number 17 وَفِيمَا نُقِلَ مِنْ عَلَّامَاتِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَأَسْحَابِهِ فِي الْكُتُبِ الْمُتَقَدِّمَةِ And what has been mentioned from the alamat or the signs or the indications, the, the particular characteristics of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and his companions in the earlier books or the earlier revelations he said it has been mentioned أنهم يسجدون بالأرض 
ويزعمون أن إلههم في السماء. يعني it has been mentioned as a characteristic, a peculiar characteristic of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and companions that they make prostrations on the earth while they claim that their God is above the heavens. And likewise, this hadith has been declared to be unauthentic. It is not an authentic narration, and the Shaykh will comment on it as we reach his comments. Point number 18, he said, وَرَوَى أَبُوْ دَعُودِ فِي سُلْمِهِ أَنَ الْمَنِيُّ صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إِنَّمَا بَيْنَ السَّمَاءٍ إِلَى سَمَاءٍ مَسِيرَةٍ كَذَا وَكَذَا That is the report of the Sunnah of Abu Dawood that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said that really what is between one heaven and another is the distance of such and such and so and so وَذَكَرَ الْخَبْرِ إِلَى قَوْلِهِ Then he mentioned that hadith to the end of it where he said وَفَوْقَ ذَلِكَ الْعَرْشِ And above all of that, يعني the distances between the seven heavens and what is above it of a body of water and above it is the arsh. He said وَفَوْقَ ذَلِكَ الْعَرْشِ وَاللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ فَوْقَ ذَلِكَ And above all of that is the arsh and Allah Subhanahu is above the arsh. This hadith is also declared by the scholars of hadith to be da'iq, it is not authentic. And this is the, a similar, it is similar to the hadith that we mentioned before from the Sunnah of Abu Dawud and Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah, uh, describing the distance between the seven heavens and the arsh, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above it. And we said that there are other hadith which prove uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ascending above the throne of His Highness, uh, so we, we need not rely upon these hadith, but we are only mentioning them because they are in the text of the book and we want to take the book just as it is, only clarifying uh, those hadith which are not authentic so that we will not use them as a proof. Then Imam Ibn Qadam rahimahullah says, فَهَذَا وَمَا أَشْبَهُهُ مِنَّا أَجْمَى السَّلَفِ رَحِمَهُمَ اللَّهِ عَلَى مَثْلِهِ وَخُمُورِهِ وَلَمْ يَتَعَرَّدُوا لِرَدِّهِ وَلَا تَعْوِلِهِ وَلَا تَشْبِيهِ وَلَا تَمْثِيلِهِ and that this, these narrations and these reports from the Qur'an and from the Hadith and what is similar to them are amongst those things that have been agreed upon by consensus of the Salaf. May Allah have mercy on them from what has been reported in the Sunnah and what they have accepted. They have accepted it without subjecting it to outright rejection or negating these sifat, nor have they uh, gave uh, distorted explanations or interpretations to the meaning of these sifat, nor have they made tashbih or tamthil, making comparisons or examples of anything in the creation and their characteristics to the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of these hadith, uh, those which are da'if, as well as those which we mentioned which are sahih, are indicating the same meaning, the highness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his being above the throne, being above the heavens. And they are confirmed, as we said already, in the Qur'an and in some of the hadith which we mentioned which are authentic. The Shaykh uh, Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen, in his commentary concerning these, these points up until here, he says that the Sifa al-Rabiya Ashara, it is al-Ulu. The 14th characteristic that is affirmed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-Ulu, Highness, that Allah is sublime, lofty, high and exalted. The, the deviant people who deviated from the way of the Salaf or the way of the early first generations of the Muslims explained that al-ulu of Allah it means the ulu of his mulk or his sultan, that his sovereignty or his authority is high. Not that he subhanahu wa ta'ala himself is high, but it means 
the Ulu of Allah is mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah, it means that Allah's sovereignty is high, or Allah, His authority is high. Here the Shaykh says that the Ulu, or the highness of Allah subhanahu wa is confirmed in the Quran as well as in the Sunnah and the Ijma'a consensus of the Salaf. And so amongst the proofs that he mentions is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 255, Ayat Al-Kursi, وَهُوَ الْعَلِيِّ الْعَظِيمِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is Al-Ali, the High, the Most High, Al-Azim, the Supreme. Then he says, also from amongst the proofs from the Sunnah, the saying of the Prophet sallallahu that has been reported by Imam Muslim in the Hadith of Huzaifa radiallahu anhu, that the Prophet sallallahu was saying in his Salat, in Sujood, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to be declared free of any weakness or shortcomings my Lord who is Rabbi Al-A'la the one who is the most high so this is also a proof of Allah's lofty or highness or Al-Ulu then he said that the scholars from the first generations of the Muslim Sahaba and Tabi'een and those who came after them and followed in their way have reached consensus or agreement Ijma'ah for affirming Al-Ulu or Highness for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala therefore it is obligatory on us to also affirm it without making tahrif, distortion, ta'atil, negation, taqeef for explaining or asking the how of it or tamthil using examples to try to clarify the sifat or characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he said Al-Ulu it is a real characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be understood in a way that is suitable or appropriate to his majesty and glory then he said, Al-Ulu, Shaykh Muhammad says, Hafizullah, Al-Ulu is of two types. Ulu Sifa and Ulu That. Ulu Sifa, the highness of Allah's Sifa, his characteristic, and Ulu That, the highness of Allah's being, Allah's self, his That, is also high. These both types of Ulu are affirmed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The meaning of Ulu Sifa, he said, it, it means that his Sifat, his characteristics, they are high, lofty, noble, sublime. And there is no defect in it, in his in these characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any way whatsoever. And he said the proof of this has already preceded, that is, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, that the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ulu of Allah's sifat it means that they are lofty, noble and perfect without any aspect of imperfection or shortcoming the ulu that or the highness of Allah's being his person is that it means that the that of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it is high above all of his creation it is above everything that is created and nothing is above it nor is anything beside it or equal to it in highness. This is the ulu of Allah's that. It means that He, His person, it is above all of everything that He has created. Nothing is higher than Him, nor anything equal on the same level with Him. And the same proofs are used for this. And the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He is Al-Ali. And the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that He is Al-A'la, the Most High. Also, uh, the proof of this is the statement that Al-Imam Ibn Qudana mentions in the text of the book, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Mulq, chapter 67, verse 16, You feel safe and secure from the one who is above the skies or above the heaven, 
that he will not cause the earth to swallow you up. You feel safe from the one who is في السماء يعني فيها means على the heavens uh, and also the saying mentioned by Ibn Qadama in the hadith of Abu Dawood and that hadith is unauthentic as Al-Imam Al-Bukhari rahimahullah said that one of the narrators Ziyada Ibn Muhammad that he is Munkar al-Hadith or he is a very unreliable narrator of hadith for that reason that hadith should be declared un, uh, unauthentic it is the statement that has been attributed to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam This Fis Sama has been affirmed already in the Quran and we need to rely on this hadith it means that your name is holy or pure this hadith has been declared to be unauthentic uh, then the statement that Ibn Khudama mentions the shaykh repeats it, the statement of the Prophet ﷺ to the slave girl who had been slapped by her master and he came to the Prophet ﷺ asking him what should he do with her and the Prophet said bring her here uh, and asked her where is Allah she said that he is that Allah is above the skies or above the heavens and he asked her who am I she said you are the messenger of Allah he said free her for verily she is a believing woman this hadith is reported by Al-Imam Muslim and it is the story uh, concerning Muawiyah ibn al-Hakam radiallahu anhu then Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymin mentions the hadith which, which is mentioned by Al-Imam ibn Qudama the hadith of Hussein in which the Prophet asked him uh, about who he worshipped and he said we worship seven gods six of them on earth and one in the, above the heavens and he told him to leave those six on earth and worship the one who is above the heavens that hadith also we said is da'if and finally after mentioning these books uh, those which some of them authentic and some unauthentic Sheikh Muhammad says that also, as well as it being found in the Quran and some authentic hadith, it is confirmed by consensus or ijma' of the Salaf, of the first generation of the Muslims, that Al-Ulu is a sifa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his that, his person, as well as his sifat, his characteristics. Uh, therefore, we must affirm it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without reinterpreting it, negating its meaning, explaining the how of it, or making examples. Here Sheikh Muhammad says that some of the people of Ta'atil they have negated the meaning of this sifa يعني, the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bivatihi that the that of Allah is above the heavens and they explained that the meaning of Allah being high or above the heavens they said it means his mulk mulkuhu aw sultanuhu that his kingdom or his authority or sovereignty or other such interpretations and we reject such an interpretation with a general rejection saying that it is contrary to the clear text of the Quran as well as the Sunnah and it is contrary to the methodology of the early generations of the Muslims of accepting the text of Sifat just as they are on face value without reinterpreting or distorting their meanings and we also say to them that you have no authentic proof for such an interpretation these are the general refutations that we used concerning the people of Ta'atil who negated the meaning of the Sifat of Allah and the Shaykh says in addition to that we also refute them with a fourth refutation and it is that the Mulk and the Sultan the sovereignty and the kingdom and the authority of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
is in the heavens, it is above the heavens, as well as it is, his authority is also on earth. So this is a, f- a refutation of them claiming that the ulu of Allah, it means that Allah's kingdom is in the, above the heavens, but in fact Allah's kingdom and authority is above the heavens as well as on the earth. The fifth refutation against them is a rational refutation, and the Shaykh says, uh, but even if we look at it rationally, it is rational to accept that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be high above everything. Because being high above everything is a characteristic of perfection. And who has more right to be described as being high above everything than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And the sixth refutation against them, he says, that, uh, that even the nature of the human being indicates and accepts the idea that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above the heavens. And the proof of this is that people all over the earth when they pray to Allah naturally if they haven't been distorted they look up to the heavens because it is in the nature of the human being to believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not underneath us but Allah who is the most high is above us. So all of these are manners for refutation of the people who deviated and reinterpreted this characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of al-umur. Here the shaykh says that the meaning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being قوم Allah fi sama the meaning that Allah is fi sama the correct meaning of this is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ala as-sama that he is above the sama fi sama it doesn't mean inside of the heavens but it means ala as-sama above the sama and this meaning is indicated in the Quran and in the Arabic language in many places and from amongst the interpreted or the meanings of fi as meaning ala is in Surah Al-Taha chapter 20 verse 71 the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَلَا أُصَلِّبَنَّكُمْ فِي جُذُوعِ النَّخْلِ that I will crucify you لَا أُصَلِّبَنَّكُمْ that, we will, that I will crucify you يعني فِي جُذُوعَ النَّخْلِ inside of the palm tree, inside the roots of the palm tree. The meaning of fee here doesn't mean that he's going to crucify them inside the palm tree, but it means that he's going to hang them on the palm tree, on it, above it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh, to travel, fil ardi, to go in the earth, it doesn't mean inside of the earth, but it means on top of the earth. So there are many proofs in the Quran and in the Arabic language that fee doesn't always mean inside, but it should be understood from the meaning. If you said, that you are going to tie the people inside the tree, mean tie them on the tree. And if the people, if Allah said to walk across the earth or go across the earth and look at what is in the earth, he when he says fil ardi, he doesn't mean underneath the soil, but he means walk across the surface of the earth, above the earth. And so likewise, the meaning of fis for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it doesn't mean that Allah is contained by the heavens. Allah is not contained by His creation. But Allah is greater than the whole of His creation. And the meaning here is clear that it means Above, uh, Then the Shaykh says that also another meaning that can be applicable here that fi sama means fi al because as sama it means highness. When you point to the skies, you point to that which is high. So when you say that Allah subhanahu wa taala is fi sama, you mean actually by this fi al that He is high in the high place, and it doesn't mean that Allah subhanahu wa taala is contained by His creation. Finally, the Shaykh says a note of importance here. It is concerning the statement of the author Ibn Qudam rahimahullah when he said 
that it has been reported in some of the earlier books that of the alamat or the signs or special characteristics of the Prophet ﷺ and his Sahaba this is point number 16 but of the special characteristics of the Prophet ﷺ and his Sahaba is that they يَسْجُدُونَ بِالْأَرْضِ وَيَزْعَمُونَ أَمَّا إِلَاهُمْ فِي السَّمَاءِ that they prostrate on the earth while claiming that their God is above the heavens Sheikh Muhammad says that this report is an inauthentic report it is not correct and there is no authentic chain of narratives to support it and also the belief that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is high while prostrating to him on the earth prostrating our heads on the ground while believing that he is high is not a peculiar or particular characteristic of the Ummah of Muhammad but it was also believed likewise by the previous nations by the followers of Isa السلام, the followers of Musa السلام, also believed that Allah is above the heavens while they used to prostrate just as the Muslims prostrate their heads on the ground Musa السلام, prostrated his head on the ground as mentioned even in the Bible and Isa السلام, prostrated his head on the ground as mentioned in the Bible while they believed just as we believe that Allah is above the heavens so this is also a proof against this report because it mentions that it was a particular characteristic of the Prophet Muhammad and the Sahaba when in fact the belief that Allah is above the heavens while prostrating to him with our heads on the ground is not a peculiar characteristic of this Ummah but it is a belief of the previous nations of the Prophets who were sent previously as well uh, then he also said that this expression that they, that they that they prostrated to Allah on the earth while claiming that he is above the heavens he said that this, is, this type of expression uh, is not a praiseworthy expression because a claim is usually the word or the expression claim is usually used for something about which there is doubt and they didn't claim that Allah is in the heavens having doubt about it but they were certain without any doubt that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above the heavens uh, the last point that the Shaykh mentions uh, what time is it? 7.15? The last point which is the end of this chapter is the statement of Al-Imam Malik rahimahullah Al-Imam Malik ibn Anis Faqir, it was said to him Ya Aba Abdullah Ar-Rahman ala al-Arsh istawa it was said to him that Allah SWT said in the Quran that Ar-Rahman has ascended above the Arsh كيف al-Istawa how is this Istawa uh, and he said that al-istiwa is ghayr majhul it is something that is not unknown it is known wal-kayf ghayr ma'qul and the how of it is not understandable and it is something that is unknown wal-iman bihi wajib and bihi is obligatory and wal-su'al anhu bid'a asking about it or questioning it is innovation thamna amra bil-rajul fa-ukhriya when he ordered that man to be brought and he was yani put out of the masjid Sheikh Muhammad says Hafizahullah says that the answer of Imam Malik ibn Anas ibn Malik Rahimahullah and Imam Malik ibn Anas his father is not Anas ibn Malik the Sahabi though the name is the same but Malik ibn Anas ibn Malik he is actually the son of Abi Amir ibn Amr al-Sahabi al-Asbahi uh, who was also his great grandfather he was a companion but not the companion Anas ibn Malik in any case Imam Malik rahimahullah uh, 
his grandfather was a companion and he was born in Medina uh, in the year 93 and died in the year 179 of the Hijrah and he lived in the time of the Tabi at Tabi'in yani the students of the students of Sahaba when he was asked it was said to him, O Abu Abdullah, Ar-Rahman al-Ash Istawa, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ascended above the throne. How is this Istawa? And he said, Al-Istawa is something that is not unknown. It is known. The meaning of it is known. The meaning is Al-Ulu, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is high. He is established above his throne. The how of it is غير معقول. It is not understandable. How is, how is it? Yani, the Istawa of Allah, the actions of Allah, the characteristics of Allah, cannot be understood by the intellect but it is something that the understanding of the nature and the reality of it is only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to know the meaning of it is known but the how of it is not known Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is greater than his creatures uh, and their capacity to understand his characteristics believing in it is wajib or obligatory because it has been reported in the Quran and Sunnah therefore it is obligatory on the believer to accept that which has been reported in the book of Allah and the Sunnah of the Prophet asking about the how of it is innovation because it was not questioned in the time of the Prophet his Sahaba didn't ask him how but they understood the meaning of istiwa in the Arabic language and they affirmed it just like that which, without asking the how of it therefore that man who came with this innovation asking about such a thing was removed from the masjid for fear that he might cause fitna amongst the people and confuse the people or mislead them with his innovation. This is the end of what the Shaykh says concerning this point. This is the end of what we wanted to cover today. Although there were some points that we wanted to mention concerning Al-Ulu and some of the contemporary people who reinterpreted Al-Ulu uh, in such a manner as has been reported by the Shaykh in his explanation. In any case, uh, we will stop here. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. And perhaps we will take this question uh, from the sisters and if there are any comments or corrections or questions from the brothers. Is it an error to refer to our beloved Messenger of Allah وسلم, as the Holy Prophet as is done by some scholars? Uh, it is not proper to refer to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, as Holy Prophet. And in this description, uh, Al-Quds or Qudus, it is a characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not a characteristic of human beings. And he, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has not referred to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa in his book by such a title as holy. No place in the Quran has the Messenger of Allah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa nor any of the Anbiya or the Rusul, the Messengers or Prophets of Allah, have not been referred to by a characteristic of holy. Nor has he been described in any authentic hadith as being, he has not referred to himself as holy. Nor did the companions who were the closest to him and most knowledgeable of his characteristics, they lived with him, they ate with him and sat with him and worshipped with him and learned from him, and none of them, though they loved him more than we love him, and they knew him better than we knew him, they didn't describe him as holy. But we should describe him with that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described him, no more and no less, and that which uh, the descriptions that came of him in the authentic sunnah and as he has been referred to or described by those who knew him best that is the uh, sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'in so this characteristic it is more properly referred to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a sifa or characteristic of Allah and not a sifa of the creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
Any comment from the brothers? Any question or correction from the brothers? Then, uh, uh, let me just make a quick note here in the few moments remaining. Uh, it is the commentary on the Quran by a contemporary scholar, Abu Al-Ala Al-Mawdudi, Rahimahullah, may Allah have mercy on him and may Allah forgive him the mistakes that he made particularly concerning the Tawheed of the names, the Asma and the Sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says in his commentary, Tafheem al-Qur'an, uh, in Surah Al-A'raf, which we mentioned in our discussion today, Surah Al-A'raf, uh, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Inna Rabbukum Allah alladhi khalaq al-Samawati wal-Arz fi sittati ayyamun thumma istawa ala al-Arsh that verily your Lord is Allah alone who created the heavens and earth in six days then he ascended above the throne it is translated by the translators not by Abu al al mawdiri but by the translators then he sat upon the throne sat upon the throne of his kingdom first of all sitting Al-Istiwa doesn't mean sitting none of the scholars of Arabic language or of the Ahl Sunnah said that Al-Istiwa means sitting this is absolutely incorrect the second point though that's from the translators that he sat upon upon the throne of his kingdom here the throne referring to his kingdom is actually taken from the commentary of Abu al-Ala al-Mawduri in which he says explaining this ayat it is very difficult for us to comprehend the nature of he sat upon the throne or he ascended above the throne they translate sat upon the throne it is just possible Abu al-Ala al-Mawduri rahimahullah may Allah forgive him says it is just possible that after the creation of the universe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fixed some place as the center of his limitless kingdom which may have been called the throne and in that place it wasn't a real throne but the place in the center of the universe was called throne that place from where he is showering his blessings on the whole universe and it is also possible that the Arabic word al-arsh the Arabic word of Arsh may have been used figuratively to express his sovereignty and seating himself on the throne may mean taking the reins of his kingdom in his hands. Al-Istiwa'ala-Arsh he said that the Arsh probably, perhaps it means uh, his sovereignty and his ascending over the throne perhaps it means that he took the reins of his kingdom in his hand. I and mean, before that he didn't have control of the universe but at that time he took control of the universe this is mentioned in Tafheel al-Qur'an in the explanation of Tafsir al-Qur'an by Abu Ayla al-Mawdudi in Surah al-A'raf he also mentioned in another verse concerning al-Istiwa al-Arsh in Surah al-Ra'at which we mentioned also chapter 13 verse 2 he says for further details of he sat himself on the throne of his kingdom please refer to Surah al-A'raf which we just mentioned and here he says, here the purpose will be served if it is understood that this thing has been mentioned in the Qur'an at many places in order to bring out clearly the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not created the earth has not only created the earth but also rules over his kingdom. Yani istiwa al-arsh means that Allah didn't just create the earth but after he created he ruled over it. So istiwa means that he ruled that which he created and that his universe is a factory 
that is not working automatically as some ignorant people seem to think, nor is it being ruled by many gods as other ignorant people seem to believe, but it is a regular system that is being run and ruled over by its creator. So here he says that istiwa means that Allah, after he created the universe, then he ruled it. Istiwa means he ruled it. In another place, he also mentions in, in the ayat concerning this in Surah Al-Hud, uh, he says that concerning this istiwa, uh, the ayat which says that Allah وَكَانَ عَرْشُهُ عَلَى الْمَاءِ That Allah created the heavens and the earth in six days, whereas before this His throne rested upon water, He says this is a parenthetical clause that has probably been inserted to answer a question. Probably been inserted to answer a question which has not been cited. If the heavens and the earth were created afterwards in six days, what was there before their creation? The answer is, then there was water. It is not possible for us to say what exactly was the nature of that water. It might have been, a lot of this يعني, hypothetical uh, statements, it might have been the common liquid known by that name, water. Or perhaps the word water has been used as a symbol for the fluid state of the matter before it was changed to its present form. The important thing he says here, as regards his throne rested on water, the meaning of his throne, it means his throne on the water means, I am of the opinion that it means his kingdom was over the water. And his arsh was over the water, it means his kingdom was over the water. So you can see that he has consistently explained the way al-arsh, Allah is ascending above the arsh and the arsh itself as being Allah's kingdom and Allah ascending above the arsh means he ruled over his kingdom. And the last place is in Surah Taha chapter 20, which we also mentioned that Allah, uh, he says that Allah is sitting on the throne of his kingdom, and of the universe, the throne means universe or kingdom. He said that that is, after creating the universe, he is ruling over it and conducting all the affairs of its management. Yani that Allah after creating the universe, He ruled over it or He conducted the affairs of the universe. So He has explained the way Allah's istiwa or ascending above the arsh as meaning that Allah took control of the universe and ruled over it after He created it. And this is a contemporary example of those who instead of accepting the texts of Quran and Sunnah as they are, understood in the Arabic language and as they were understood by Sahaba and, tabi- and the Tabi'een and those who came after them, but they have to, they find some need to reinterpret by their own rational minds with a meaning that has no base in the Arabic language, nor in the Sunnah, nor in the sayings of the early generations of the Muslims. We should be careful of such reinterpretations as they came from the contemporary scholars as well as the earlier, uh, those, uh, those who came before us, even some of them reinterpreted, deviating from the way of the companions of the Prophet So we should be aware of this and be careful when we are reading the Qur'an that we examine carefully the ayats of sitat, the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how the people interpret them, how they translate them, and how they explain them. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, ashabu an la ilaha ila anta staghfirullah wa tubarik.